That question is so loaded, John. I don't even know where to start well, with that. Well, 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 I, I listen, guess, I guess, I guess the problem is, is. And by the way, John, I, I love that question. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Interesting. This is an interesting. What's the solution here? Show up, understand your part, and just crush it. Pay-per-click, social media, we can talk about all this stuff, but what really matters is patient experience, that wow factor. Please, are you listening to yourself? Come on. What are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. So sit back, take notes, and listen. Oh, oh, I love this. This is going to be fun. Startup Uncensored, the questions you have with the truths you need to hear. And now your hosts, Michael Dincio and John Bertagni. All right, welcome, welcome. This is Startup Uncensored. We've got a special guest today, but first, before we introduce him, I'm exhausted. Freaking Shark Week literally took everything I had in me, John. John, my co-host and partner, welcome to the show as always. Thank you. Yeah, it was uh, exhausting. And, you know, I've got to say we did a lot of work for the preparation of that but and during it. But, you know, our, our team did a great job. You did a great job of uh, getting it out there. So I appreciate that. And, yeah, I'm in... Uh, I'm in Chicago Bears gear just because I'm just tired of it. And I'm, you it's, know. Hey, we're taking this week off, and but kind of not really by doing this. And I thought I would dress down. You dress down, Tyler. You're in the normal attorney gear. And I guess that's a perfect segue to introduce you, my friend, Tyler Jones with Hell Cell Fetterman, good friend of mine and uh, a guy. It's my go-to attorney for most deals. So welcome to the show, friend. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. So yeah, Shark Week, uh, uh, you know, I I will say this, right? So if our listeners, our audience screw up real estate, they are the worst because (laughs) we literally interviewed six people across the country that gave us dozens and dozens of tips. And so you have too many resources now when it comes to real estate, but it does set the tone though of kind of the flow of how we're going through this, right, John? Like, we well, started yeah. With yeah. It, what it does is if you do screw up, you hire an attorney to figure this stuff out in, in, in the red line uh, uh, forecast. Right. But it this is the flow, um, you know, and I'm going to just jump in because I think our listeners, you know, ev- everyone has ideas of how this process goes. And, you know, everyone thinks they know what's happening. But what I want to talk to Tyler about right out of the gate is hey, I'm a dentist. I'm coming out of school. I need to do what? I need to set up a legal entity. I need to do, you know, if you're going to get a loan, you need a legal entity. So can you walk us through this process for these guys? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I think probably one of the first mistakes I see people make is that they reach out to an attorney when they get a copy of their lease from their broker. And the reality of it is, is that's probably six to eight weeks too late. It's really <laughs> nice to have the relationship with your attorney shored up. You've talked to them, you've interviewed several attorneys, presumably to make sure you found one that you want to work with. Uh, but to your point, John, the first step is usually making your business entity. And that can take, it's not hard. It doesn't take a long time. 
but having that ready to go uh, is super helpful when it comes time to review your lease for one, some procedural reasons. The lease already has the entity put inside of it and it's correctly reflected. But it also just helps these guys on all aspects of their startup, right? Their loan paperwork is papered with the correct business entity. Yep. They're, you know, presumably working with you guys on equipment contracts, making sure that that entity is the one who's taking out the contract. Just having it ready is is super helpful. And there's really no harm in doing it early. It can always sit there if you don't find a space. I have clients who reached out to me a year ago and they still haven't found a space, but their entity is sitting there and, and the second they're ready to go, you can turn it on and, and they haven't lost a beat. Well, and that's to that point, you're also, yeah, you're going to start the clock. Let's, let's be frank here, but you're also going to let them know the rules of engagement, when to engage you and when not to engage you uh, to utilize some other facets and um, of their team. Correct. Totally. I'm the first to admit is my least favorite thing to do is send bills that surprise clients. And and the best way you can do that is during your initial meeting, you know, establish some boundaries. The best thing I tell people to do is, hey, if you've hired a real estate broker to negotiate your lease or you have a consultant helping you negotiate your lease, you don't need me. Uh, Don't pay me an hourly rate to double dip or be a part of that negotiation give me a fully signed LOI and we'll go through it. And, and that's kind of my skeleton of the deal to review your lease, make sure there's no gotcha stuff in there, educate the client on maybe some things that they may not be aware of, some technical parts of the lease. And, and frankly, my job when clients hire a real estate broker pivots more from negotiation to just making sure that the lease properly memorializes the deal that they actually negotiated. It, well, it, let me let me jump in on that because we just came off Shark Week, right? And so you had all of these professional negotiators, and that's what I'll call them, professional yeah. real estate negotiators. They take real estate negotiation courses. They, they're dealing with bullish landlords. They're very good at understanding the market and, and who they're dealing with across the table. And so I mean, it's it's no surprise that we have legal next, right? Because Tyler, I'm just assuming, bills out a little higher per hour than a real estate person. Just so I'm, just gonna go out, I'm just going to go out on a limb on that. <laughs> uh, and, I so, and, and so I guess I love that we're kind of going to fees here. And, I, you know, everybody's got their fee. Is it flat? Whatever. But before we go there, it's really smart to really utilize and maximize that real estate relationship have them grind it. Even me, I, I don't do real estate negotiations because I don't have that license. But you know, you want to get the big deal points out of the way before you engage someone like Tyler that's that's more expensive hourly. I mean, isn't that is that what we're talking about here? Totally. I, I mean, it one any attorney who says that they keep a, a pulse on what the fair market value of rents are and whatever suburb of the major city they're looking they're just lying to you. We just that's just not how we're wired and we just don't have that insight into the marketplace that real estate brokers do. Right. So there's no, in my professional opinion, every once in a while I'll have a client who wants me to really negotiate and hammer the landlord, but it's just lighting money on fire. Hire a tenant's broker to represent you, get the best economic deal you can baked and then hand it off to the lawyer. Your lawyer bill will be cut in half. 
Yeah. And frankly, you'll mitigate kind of the deal fatigue that often sets in on these lease negotiations by kind of parsing out the different roles that the people in your team make. Let me ask a question here because, Mike, you brought up a point there, that flat fee lawyer. And not to go back to fees, but I want to know that. I want to know this personally, too. That flat fee lo- lawyer versus hourly you know, what do you think about that? Because there are guys out there, hey, I'll do this for, you know, X amount of dollars or I'll do this for X amount of dollars per hour. What, what, how do you feel about that? I'm kind of agnostic about it. I'm not a huge flat fee guy just because I I think it ends up being, I I just see it too often in the marketplace when I'm on the other side of deals where I feel like clients get underserved. Right. Even if a lawyer has a flat fee, in their head, they've assigned some marginal value to their time, right? And so they're going to, in their head, go, well, I'm upside down on this flat fee. I've committed more time to it than I estimated or that I booked out for it. I'm upside down. And you really do see the foot come off the gas a lot of times. Yeah, because I'm almost thinking it it becomes like, hey, I've got a template for this and you're going to fit in this template because that's what this flat fee is about. I don't know if I'm right with that. And I, you know, there's a time and a place for flat fees. Like there's a a building in uh, Anchorage that I do that holds a ton of dentists. And um, I've seen that lease a hundred times and I know where the pressure points are. I know where there's movement. That's a good place for a flat fee where, you know, you can make the client feel comfortable, but I would encourage anyone to, instead of doing a flat fee, just say, Hey, I'd like an estimate, or I would like you to review this lease Love and that. give me your top 10 concerns and let's cap your lawyer time at two hours, three hours, four hours. Okay. But, but there's a thing there, Tyler, and, and, and you and I have worked a lot of deals. So this, frankly, which is why you're a guest today, is this doesn't happen with you, but I've been on deals across the country here and you're right. Like throwing out a, a flat fee gives the other side a a baseline or something to, to, to get to. It's a number of predictability is kind of what I'm getting at where I feel like attorneys kind of go and make sour grapes is, is they, they don't really say how much this thing's building up to throughout the process. And then all of a sudden, boom, you, you get a fee or they say, Hey, normally these are, you know, X to X range. But but they never, let's say it gets to get, be a complicated deal. The attorney never jumps in and says, hey, by the way, we've kind of hit that mark. This deal <laughs> getting crazy. It's going to be more. It's just about setting expectations. And I feel like attorneys don't do that. Totally. I, I, I see that all the time. I think there's probably two things you can do to Tyler, mitigate why that. do people hate lawyers so much? That's what I mean. <laughs> why are we talking about fees so much, by the way? You know, I. I hate lawyers, so I totally get it. You know, I think people get resentful of lawyers because they just feel like there's a barrier to entry, right? Especially dentists. They're so smart. They're do-it-yourselfers. They tend to over, not over-research, but they like to learn everything they can about everything they do. And then they get to the end. They've been on Dental Town. They've been on every blog site. They're in the (laughs) dental deep web. And they feel like they know about a lot about leases and they just get resentful of the attorney part because they go, well, I'm paying this because I'm being told I should. And they don't really understand how to maximize the value of their attorney. There you go. 
they feel like they know everything they're supposed to know. And, and so they become resentful of like, this is just some gating issue or next step where I have to stroke a check to someone and I'm not, and you know, the end result is oftentimes not always if you get a bunch of red lines accepted on a lease, what I'm trying to say is that doesn't always equate to a dollar sign. Your lawyer didn't save you money. They mitigated risk. Maybe they made something more palatable for you. And when it doesn't equate to a dollar sign, a lot of times people struggle to find the value in that. And I'm respectful of it. So to that point then, so let's, let's take away, let's get off the fees. Where do you get, where do you get the value with the attorney? I mean, it, I, I, we weren't really planning for this to go here, but this is a great topic, a great question. Yeah. So where, yeah, where do you get the value in attorney? I, I know, but I want you to communicate it a little bit better than I might. I think the first thing you can do is, a is hire a dental specific attorney, and, and you're going to get the value that you need in these in these startups. Um, you know, putting aside the economics of it, you know, what you're paying for base rent and tenant improvements and what rent abatement you got, you know, oftentimes the value is is probably three things. It's it's one, uh, avoiding gotcha stuff. You know, the most common thing I see is people go, oh, Tyler, I got $100,000 of tenant improvements. How great is that? And you go to the end and you go, well, geez, champ, it doesn't get released until a month after you open. You're probably going to want that money when you're building it. Um, yeah. You know, so let's, you know, let's release that in tranches. I've seen that work well for my other clients throughout the build out process or, you know, COVID-19 has been a kind of a game changer. Let's, you know, let's add a clause in there that says if your construction is ever slowed down because of COVID-19 limitations, that your rent abatement period is told. So you can stretch that out, you know, and then probably the third prong of it or second, depending on how you count it is. It, there's just an educational component to it. The brokers are great. I, I love working with them. I work with a few and they're fantastic, but it would blow your mind how many people have been negotiating a lease for four months. They walk it into me and they go, is this good? And you go, well, do you know what a triple net lease is? And they go, I have no idea. <laughs> and, and so you you walk through that process with them and, and get them comfortable and get them educated because it's not unthinkable. A 10-year lease, they're going to cut the landlord a million dollars of checks over that 10-year lease. Why wouldn't you want to understand it? And the third, this is definitely the third, is think of your lawyer like an insurance policy. If you bought something for a million dollars, would you take out a couple thousand dollar insurance policy to make sure it's right? Yeah. All day, every day. If you buy a house for a million dollars, do you spend a little extra to get title insurance? All day, every day. Yeah. The well, lawyers, your insurance I mean, policy. Here's the reality, Tyler. You, these dentists are beautifying these landlord spaces, right? They're actually yeah. making, in addition to the million bucks, they're also beautifying a lot of these spaces. So that tenant improvement dollars is actually a reinvestment into the space from the landlord for that, for that totally. space. So, I mean, it's like, it isn't free money. Nothing's free, but they're getting a great place to live for 10 years. So I love that point. I want to ask you this because you got into some fun stuff there. You know, People love stories, and that's what we want to, you know, bring out on a lot of this. Can you tell us not good stories? How about a couple horror stories that uh, that you've been a part of? You know, I, there's a lot. Um, usually, the 
the theme for horror stories is Tyler. I'm, I'm signing a lease in 48 hours. I'd like you to look at it for me. <laughs> Usually, the horse or Tyler, I just signed this lease. Can you look at it for me? And you go, well, champ, you just signed it. So, <laughs> right. um, they're all champs. Yeah, champions. Yeah, or chumps, uh, depending. You know the. I'm trying to think of a good horror story. You know, probably the <laughs> the the biggest horror story you can come up with is usually the theme is is a doctor's just uneducated about what they signed, and it it pains me so so often. Clients will go, "Oh, I got this great space, two thousand square feet. It's underneath these brand new condos next to a school. I'm a ped, and so I'm gonna you know get all these referrals. It, it's great." my rent's only $2,000 a month. And you go, oh, that doesn't sound right. And, and you just go, you look at the lease, you go, well, it's 2,000 plus the triple nets. And they didn't even know. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so they've set this budget, they've been doing it themselves and they have a bad pro forma now because their budget's off by tens of thousands of dollars in triple nets. Those are the ones that freak me out the most. I'm trying to think a horror story. Well, well it what happens too with those triple nets especially with what you know what's transpired in real estate at least in the Denver market, Chicago market, some of these great urban markets, the valuation of those spaces go through the roof and guess who's getting a you know a tax bill that for 10 grand. By the way, that happened to us. We yeah. had a huge tax bill for one of these shell spaces that got built out. It was a triple net. It was beautiful. Yeah, and boom, we had to pay this massive tax bill. It was crazy. I, I, you know, Tyler, you just said like the value of your attorney and you said that, that, that your clients are un, just uneducated about the leases. I find that triple net is one of those definitions. Let's get into it a little bit. One of those definitions that can be very all over the board. Can you talk about that a little bit? Because, John, you talked about taxes. So that that was that one was in yours. Sometimes yeah. it's HVAC. Sometimes it's. Yeah, I think what? Yeah. the temptation is to think of triple net like a binary thing. This lease has these triple nets. This one doesn't. The reality right. of it is the triple net is the spectrum of different inclusions that a landlord is pushing on to you. The hallmarks of it for most leases are taxes, uh, repairs, hopefully not to the shell of the building, but possibly depending yeah. on how they push through and utilities and maintenance. Those are kind of the and insurance. Sorry. And those are the hallmarks. But within that, there's so much flex um, as landlords build out more and more first floor commercial with condominiums or apartments on top. The first question you have to ask in those spaces is, OK, landlord, how are you parsing this out so that the commercial tenants aren't paying taxes on the residential portion? There how you are you, that's probably what your $10,000 war story is related to. Yeah. Um, and in minimizing those inclusions, you know, 20 or 30 years ago, if you had said, well, a triple net lease definitely means that the landlord can't pass through costs related to the shell of the building, the roof, the walls, the subfloor. Now in hot markets like Denver, Seattle, Portland, uh, even Phoenix, you're seeing landlords say, well, we need to be able to pass through some of those costs that historically have not been part of triple net. Right. And, and you... Getting out in front of that, understanding the marketplace, understanding your landlord and how they're going to pass those costs on through you, it's huge for tenants. And a lot of times they just do a quick Google search of triple net and they think they've got it. 
binary. It's it's a hey spec- Siri. Hey Siri, tell me about triple. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I always say that there's two attorneys on every deal. There's me and Google. Check it out. I can't hear you, Mike. Yeah. I, I, I actually I like saying, it better when I couldn't hear him. Well, you know, John, <laughs> that's why you don't have the mute button on your side. But um, This is really interesting because it's come up a few times and I want to take, take a minute and talk about this. So doctors just in general. I think this is why you need a team of professionals like Tyler, John, myself, and and all of the folks that we've really interviewed on the program. But doctors tend to go right to the number and compare that number. Like going back to Wells Fargo's interview, interest rate, interest rate, compare easy. But then there's all of these other terms, right? And I think of the lease is the same way as base rent, base rent. When I, look, when I took a negotiation course, great course, by the way, Never Split the Difference, phenomenal book, uh, great teacher. But sure, there's, there's, uh, there's things that you can compare that everybody compares. But once you get to that point, there's always these little things that make up just little wins that you can get. And that's where I think an attorney comes into is like, if you got taxes for whatever reason out of your triple net, that would be a huge win, right? Like right. Yeah. nobody's looking at that, right? And so if you get to those places on that lease, that's easy comparison. Okay, got it. Thanks, Mr. Real Estate Agent for, for putting that in perspective. But to me, that's where the real value is, is a guy like Tyler comes in like a dark night and looks at wording, like wording, right? And yeah. changes the wording so it's not so generalized and boxes the landlord in, right? Yeah, take a classic example. Uh, I'm doing one right now. I, I would say there's no such thing as a $1,000 HVAC problem. There are only $10,000 HVAC problems. And so one way you can nibble at the edges of the lease is you just say, hey, I'm not gonna pay for any HVAC for the first five years. I, I just- Love you know, that. I, I just signed a lease with you. The least you can do is make sure that I'm not on the hook for some HVAC rehab in the first five years. Let, let's put this into perspective because when we look at a year's budget, right, especially for a startup and, you know, it's going to be a hockey stick. I mean, that $10,000 or $1,000, that means a ton to a startup business from a budgetary standpoint. So any of these give takes or <clears throat> as a mentor and I uh, ex- explained to me fair exchanges, right, which is what yeah. it is, a fair exchange, uh, of information or tangible items. I mean, that's ultimately what's going to happen. That's why you need a lawyer. That's why you need a professional uh, real estate agent or broker. I mean, that's this is this is what it's about. It's about a fair exchange and making sure everyone feels good. <clears throat> and Mike, you're right. That book is fantastic, and it really brings a lot of light to giving credence to someone in order to get something in return. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, final thoughts, guys. Like I, I, we, Tyler and I exchange war stories literally every day. Like I, I got one. I got one. This is good. You get scenario A, person B. Like learn from this, right? And, and you know, as we finish, I, I, I think that again, you know, Tyler, to to emphasize your point. If you're doing something that's worth a million bucks, you're buying something, you're at risk for something 
over, just call it 500,000. Like the cost of professionals is so minor. It's such a great insurance policy. I mean, yeah, and it, I always say it's it's a really great barometer to find someone who's going to be with you for the whole career of your practice. You know, hire an attorney and say, hey, are you going to be there for my employee manual when I start hiring employees? Are you going to be there for that first fire? Are you going to be there, you know, if I want to expand or take on a partner or when I'm ready for my first associate? If anything, it's a it's a good litmus test to make sure. Hey, I, I had a good working relationship, a good experience with that attorney. So when I need an attorney, now that my practice is up and going, I know who to call and I, and I know that that relationship is already there. Well, I think it's, I, I love this segment. I wish you were wearing a cardigan instead of a V-neck, but it actually works. Um, I have the shoulders for a cardigan. <laughs> so good. <laughs> but this was, you know, we didn't want to be surface. We wanted to get a little bit deeper in uh, various segments. I think we did so. Uh, but most importantly, you know, engage in your legal counsel early enough so you can get the right guidance. I think that's the ultimate piece of this this segment that we talked about today. Um, Mike, great questions. Loved it. You know, let's go back to fees. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> Cutting out. I have to go. it's not working it's not working yeah (laughs) guys uh as always pleasure we we really got to the heart of it i think it's good stuff tyler's uh information will be below he pretty much works nationwide and and uh just a really good resource for me personally and and now uh all of john and i's uh, viewers and followers so again fun reminder quick reminder uh follow us on myspace facebook Instagram, LinkedIn, we're on pretty much everything. MySpace account? Oh yeah, John MySpace. That's around. Justin Timberlake. (laughs) He's trying to create another push at it. But uh, (laughs) all right, guys, have a good one. Have a great uh, holiday. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another truth-filled episode of Startup Uncensored. Check out Startup Uncensored on Facebook and YouTube. Click like, subscribe, and interact with Michael and John.